Welcome to You Hate Movies, the podcast in which casual moviegoers, film lovers, and cinephiles argue about movies. In a year of movie drought, Netflix wants to remind us they can still release stuff. Can their adaptation of Donald Ray Pollock's Southern Gothic masterpiece convince our panel of devoted fans and newcomers? A few years ago, here's a story for y'all. In the, in the spirit of this podcast, I'll say it like this. Here's a story for y'all. A few years ago, I'm looking on the internet. It's the information superhighway. There's a lot of stuff on there. I'm looking on the old internet, and an uh, author that I, whose books I enjoy, he says to the world, he says, here's a novel that you might like. It's called The Devil All the Time by uh, first-time novelist Donald Ray Pollock. He had a collection of short stories out before that. And I says to myself, I says, oh, I like this author. He says, read this book. I'm going to go to the library and get me that there book. So I go and get this book, and I bring it home, and... Uh, so so enamored was with the book was I that I read it in that 24 hours of bringing that book home. I actually took it on vacation, read it in a day. How and many pages? I don't know. It's a standard 300-page novel or something. 300 like that. pages in a day. I was on vacation. That's all. You, all you do is sit around and read and drink in the coffee on my luxurious vacation. Hmm. All right. We'll get to yours in a second, Liam. Yeah. All right. <laughs> this is a podcast about vacations. It <laughs> <laughs> um, doesn't always happen, but it was one of those to me. It was like so good, I didn't want it to end, and then it was over. And you're like, oh, God, man, that was amazing. And then a bunch of time passed, and they says to the world, they says, and by they, I mean the uh, movie blogs that I follow online, that, oh, this novel called The Devil All the Time is being developed into a feature-length film. I I say though well, that's weird. I wonder how that's gonna doesn't. It's not the most immediately translatable material, but well, I guess we'll see what happens. They say Tom uh, Holland of uh, Spider-Man fame is going to star in the film adaptation of The Devil All the Time. Well, that's really weird. And at the time, they also said, plus Chris Evans, Captain America, will also be featured in the film as well as uh, a rich cast of characters. I go, oh, okay. Well, that seems weird already. And then a lot of lot of time passed, and then it finally came back around. Like, oh, it's going to be on Netflix. Chris Evans is out, but they got the next best thing. Sebastian Stan replaced him, so they just went to his Marvel co-stars, I guess. But <laughs> for that same role, was it for the same role, yeah, same. So they just went with the villain from Civil War, or yeah, Civil War, and yeah. Um, I'm, I just assume they Winter spend Soldier. all their time together, uh, the Chris Evans and Sebastian Stan. So he was probably just on the phone with his agent. And he goes, oh, I can't do it. But I got Sebastian sitting right next to me. You want him? And they're like, yeah, whatever. That's fine. Send him. They're just sharing Frappuccinos. Like, hey, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Frappuccinos. That's exactly what I was going to say. And then uh, in the year of 2020, when movies weren't really coming out, one movie did come out. Well, I guess a few did. But this one came straight to Netflix and we watched it. Liam... Gonison is on the show. He's got his mouth full of Oreos. Bongiorno. I wanted to hear you say, I called on you first so you would say it with the <laughs> Oreo in your mouth. I couldn't. If I had taken a bite of it and crushed it, then I would have been able to. Put the but Oreo instead, back in. Yeah, let's hear it again. Let's hear it with the Oreo now. Okay. <laughs> it's in my headphones. Bongiorno. That was better. That was more That's satisfying. That's what you wanted. Dang it. Sorry, yeah. guys. But... He's Enjoy. on the show. You watch The Devil all the time. It's true. I did. For free. Thanks, Netflix. Well, well not, not, not for free. free yeah. No, literally free. Uh, someone else pay for your account. 
Yeah, thanks for logging. Well, don't let Netflix oh, listen. Wow. <laughs> You're not supposed to do that. Tyler's on the show. Hey, everyone. Hi. He pays for his own Netflix. Yeah. And my man. Yeah. Liam stole my password. <laughs> Patrick, you're on the show. I'm on the show. And Abby Porter is also on the show. Here I am. I pay for my own Netflix. I pay for my own Netflix. I pay with Abby for our Netflix. Yeah, but don't you... We split it straight down the middle every month. We take out the money. <laughs> I put my... 450. 450 <laughs> on uh, the table. Yep, she puts hers. <laughs> but don't you Porter family members share an Amazon account or something? Hey, wait a minute. What's going on? We do that. Uh, it's time to come clean. We do hey. that as a part of what they let you do. It's mm, a family plan. It's a family sure. plan. Okay. It's a family mm, plan. Families. Netflix, they, they allow you to have a certain amount of screens. So, that's true. You know, mm-hmm. as long as you and just they let do you that. have distinct accounts within your account, which yeah. seems like it's. So maybe it's all account. okay. That's what I got. We're going to do that. We're going to say yeah, that. Yeah, and you can pay more if you want more screens. So the two mm. screen is like, you know, whatever it is. Right. The two Three screen, screen is like, is you know, whatever it is. Mm. That way you can watch different movies in different rooms. Mm-hmm. Which you need to sometimes. Did you watch this same movie in the same room or did you watch it in different rooms? Yeah, we watched it in the same room. But maybe uh, the kids were watching a movie in the other room. Got it. Sure. All right. So when it comes to uh, the devil all the time, there's a few things that set this podcast up. One, this is just a freaking drought year for movies. Ordinarily in the You Hate Movies world, it's like we actually look at a calendar of movie releases and we says to each other, we says, okay, so that comes out on this day. Let's do an episode on that. This comes out on this day. Let's do an episode on that. Well, yeah, there was a, a big piece of You Hate Movies um, annual tradition that we were not able to do this year. Which is? Summer box office the Summer box office bets. Summer box yeah, office. What a sad year, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I just couldn't let myself think about wow, it. Wow, I much. didn't even realize that. Came and went. Yeah, it sure did. Came and went with nary a uh, uh, spreadsheet. Done, <laughs> we should have at least done. Who knew Tenant would win? <laughs> what we thought would be <laughs> just as exercise in fantasy. Did Tenant even sure. come out before the end of August? No, it, it didn't. It was Labor September. Day? No, I don't think it did. Nope, there were no summer movies this year. Whoops. Well. In a movie, in a drought movie year, and then honestly, because of the source material, I was really looking forward to this movie anyway. Uh, the, well, we watched it, and then we watched it, and we said, "Let's do an episode on that." And it's something that, if you are uh, listening to this episode, hopefully you've seen the movie. But if not, most people have access to Netflix, and even if they don't pay for it, ain't that right, Liam? You better believe it. So we're doing y'all a favor, is what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. is the podcast of the people. Mm-hmm. So what I'm wondering is, uh, let's go around this uh, room here, and let's get the short tweet-like review of Devil All the Time, and then if you don't mind, uh, could you also, Liam, kind of bring us into your introduction to the movie? I'm kind of curious because we're not having a cultural conversation the way we normally do in the world, so do people know about Devil All the Time? Are they watching this movie? Isn't that all people I have time for? Is yeah, Netflix? You, well, you'd think, but there's a lot of stuff on there. Yeah, That's I didn't true. know about it until you rec- recommended it. But it's a Netflix or original, yeah. so they hype their own stuff up pretty. Right, well. it's got the big stars in it, so that would help it. Oh. Those two things didn't save Dark Crystal, and thanks to you guys, it's canceled. No! Uh, Robert Pattinson wasn't in Dark Crystal. So. Yeah. Neither was Spider-Man. That's true, neither yeah. of them were, but there were a lot of uh, star-studded voices. Hmm. But Liam... Yeah, I digress. No, no, yeah. So, 
so y'all uh, recommended it. I watch it, check it out. I was like, oh, okay. And I think I'd seen like some glimpses of it because yeah, it'll start playing like at the end of another program you're watching the trailer. And I think it always like stopped it at that point. But uh, yeah, kicked it off, and it was a it's a pretty meaty watch. Was it like three hours, two and a half, three hours? It's two and a half plus ish or something like that. Oh. Um, so it's definitely a longer tour than I was expecting, but uh, it opens up very much like like a magnolia, which is like here are a bunch of interconnected people have no relationships, and this is how they get connected. But instead of Los Angeles, it's in West Virginia, just you know, probably a step above Deliverance Country in terms of just kind of hillbilly wackiness, and so it's going to be pretty dark, and being that it takes place, what, in the 30s, 40s? It's, it's kind of over post-war. Post-war. Um, yeah, you just, you get a, a bunch of people kind of interrelated and a, a bunch of unlikable characters that uh, kind of do mean stuff to each other throughout this movie. Um, while I watched it and, you know, was kept on wanting a bit more things that I could <clears throat> empathize with, I was thinking, there's, there are a lot of like, merits to this, but, but I'm not identifying with it. But it also reads, or like watching it is like, it's, it's from a book. I didn't realize it was from a book. I was like, I bet this is one of those book movies where the book is way better than the movie, um, despite so many technical qualities that it has. So... In terms of story translation, I think it missed the mark, but I mean, decent performances and de decent cinematographies and direction, pretty good. But yeah, that's a big tweet. Well, what that's are you what going out with? What are your, uh, what's your ranking coming in out of five? Out of five, I would give it two. Wow. Two stars. That's low. Wow, low. Two thumbs up. Liam wow. did not like that he, movie. He was not yeah. impressed. I wouldn't recommend him. Oh, okay. no. All right, let's move on to <laughs> a hot take. All right, interesting. Tyler? It's going to be some serious uh, heated argument. Everyone's going to be at each other's throats, I can tell. Yeah, yeah. it's getting... It's We're going to kill each other. It's getting crazy in here already. It's getting hot in here. <laughs> uh, I agree with Liam that it is one of those movies that feels like a novel. Like it plays out like a novel. Maybe it's because the narration at the top of the film kind of sets that tone a bit. And that is the author. Yeah, it's Pollock. Oh, that's the actual author? Yeah, mm -hmm. Pollock is the narrator. It's interesting. I was, I was like, who is this? Yeah. Okay, yeah, cool. He good a, to know. I thought he had a good voice for it. It felt yeah. apropos to the setting of the film. I wish he said, I wrote this. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's my book. <laughs> Pretty but funny that I'm actually telling you the story you're watching. It'd be, it'd be too <laughs> self-aware. It might as well just be Ron Howard narrating the rest <laughs> of development. Yeah. Uh, I... I liked it. I liked it. I'm just going to come out and say I liked it. It felt like a novel. There's a lot of movies out there that feel like novels. Even if you're not aware that it was a novel, like at some point in the film, you, you start to realize this is probably a novel. Yeah, I know what you mean. And I think that that is, to this film's credit, it's not to all films' credits, but I think it worked for this one. And it is, at first, you're trying to figure out, well, what's the... <laughs> what are we doing you know what's the connection you, you expect to get there a little quicker and then you realize oh it's kind of a winding threads that will all come together at the end which i thought worked really well and i haven't seen magnolia actually. oh goodness 
but I see that doesn't right equate it to something more like uh, a Guy Ritchie film where you know all the characters eventually meet. How do you end. always get us back to to Guy Ritchie <laughs> or uh, even sure, sure Aladdin? It is a lot like Aladdin. Similarly to um, <laughs> like Place Beyond the Pines, where sure. it's sure. Yeah. it's it's in certain amount of acts and generations. So I really enjoyed it for all of those elements, and it was really well acted and well filmed and paced and. That was beautiful. I would give it four out of five stars. Nice. Dang. Okay, mm. Patrick, how, what are you going to do? Split the difference? Uh, no, I liked it. Oh. <laughs> All right, Abby. What are you <laughs> and Abby? <laughs> uh, I I read the book before because I heard uh, Josh and Abby and our, our very own Matt Hughes talking about how much they loved it. So I borrowed a copy and read it, and then I watched the movie. And I thought the movie was, I really enjoyed it. It was dark and... Um, I loved all the performances. I thought those were really good, and the, it was well-directed, I thought. Just a dark movie. Um, I was surprised that they were making it after I read it because it was, it was really dark content. I mean, if sure. even if you haven't read the book, you can. it's like a dark story. But I was uh, not sure how they were going to get some of that stuff in a film, and then the clever ways they got around it was pretty clever to me. But I was interested to see... Or hear how people who hadn't heard the story before, if it felt like it worked or not. I thought it worked. I agree with you. Super dark. And the subject matter seems like it would offend a lot of people, particularly the people that would, would that live in this type of culture. You know, yeah, this yeah. hyper-evangelical, conservative culture. I imagine a lot of them didn't care for the film. Yeah, and I could see that. Though, yeah. <laughs> But uh, for me, when I got done, I would say it was when I walked out of the movie room. I said, oh, that's a solid three and a half. And then like two days later, I felt like it was more of a four because it grew on me as I thought about it. Um, so that's my tweet. It's a grower. Mm. A dark grower. A dark yeah. grower. A dark grower. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> Abby, what do you think? Not a shower. <laughs> wow. Well, it is a movie. A, it's got a show. It's just an evil erection. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> is that what that's referencing? Sinister. To? Sinister. Go um. ahead. <laughs> yes. Threw her off. Threw her off base for a second. She did it. She Dark grower. <laughs> I didn't know that's what it was a reference to. <laughs> um, I liked it. I forgot what we're <laughs> supposed to say. <laughs> Give us your review of the movie and how you came to... Oh, I read the book um, a couple months ago uh, because I knew I would want to read it before I saw the movie. And the book was maybe one of the best. It's like five out of five, just about as good as a book can get. And I feel like that set the movie up for a failure. But... Uh, I thought it was really good. I think I gave it four and a half out of five. Dang. Because wow. I, f I feel like they did it as good as they possibly could. The performances were really, really good. And all of the dark matter. It was... If there was dark matter? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like it. I, I'd say the only thing going against it is its length. It seemed like a lot, especially if you hadn't read the book and knew where it was going. And I think the first first time non-reader viewers, it probably, that was not in their favor. 
Did you think it felt long, Tyler? No. Liam did. I did. I thought I thought it felt long. It just kept going. It's just like bad and bad. These guys are really representing both sides over here. And yeah, bad. Yeah. It's just I, still going. <laughs> yep. No, How long is this way. movie? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wanted to see where it was going. It had me on the on the hook. Oh, but it wasn't. It didn't go anywhere except bad. Mm, I bad. don't know if that's where it ended. Bad. I would love. I would have loved bad. more connection there. Connection. Yeah, I wish that we had some sort of connection to the Robert Pattinson's character, the preacher. Mm-hmm. You know, some sort of childhood connection coming back to him, mm-hmm. but. It was not necessary. Yeah. But it would have felt like a more of a crescendo type moment if there were. Yeah, yeah I'm trying to think. What's a, what's a movie that uh, is adapted from beloved source material that you guys feel like was a home run? Like super satisfying to see, other, aside from a comic book. You know, I can think of a couple of those. but You mean like A River Runs Through It or Legends of the Fall or... Yeah, did, did just anyone read listing the guilty pleasure the Brad Pitt films? Mm. <laughs> I, I won't stop Fight there. Club. <laughs> did anyone read The Revenant? NC. I read The Revenant oh. and it was trash. Well, but that dude it. was just super hot for his gun, right? <laughs> yeah, it was Especially. just endless. Did he was just trying to get a gun back? Yeah, they it was just stupid. Re- and it wasn't re- anything wrote, like the movie. Re- what about the the, uh, the road? There you go. The there road. you yeah. go. Excellent. Yeah. So you know, man, talk about dark films. Yeah, it's a which is a great comparison for this. So you've I read The Road and then went and saw The Road and it was like, uh, was it, did you guys, did anyone read and watch The Road? I have not read The Road, but I've seen it, I've seen it, as Matt would say. It's well, then you've, it's very faithful to the source mm-hmm. material, give or take, like any, you know, you can't fit a novel in a two and a half hour runtime, so give or take a couple scenes. And I remember thinking like, dang, that was like as cool as I would have liked it to be. And then you have these other experiences where there's beloved source material. Let's go to <laughs> low art now. Like I, I really enjoyed the Ready Player One novel, and the movie was horrible. Yeah, that was a great novel, and the movie was terrible. Yeah, even so on movie standards, it was a terrible movie. Right. So you're frustrated from beginning to end, and part of it, it's hard to. I agree with what Tyler said that even as a movie, it's not very good, but it's also ex- exacerbated by the fact that like. You've got all this stuff in your head, these visuals, what you, the way you visualized it. And unless you're like a total butthole, usually you're able to kind of set that aside to enjoy the movie. I, don't, I can't stand these people who are like, you know, like trying to nitpick it to death. Well, the book, he had blue hair, whatever. It's just like it's not the book. It's a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually you're able to relax that, enjoy the thing. and then. But sometimes there's these weird experiences that sit in the in-between and it makes it hard to shut off your familiarity with the source material and just watch the movie. That's how I felt watching the devil all the time in that I really liked it. It, if it was just a movie, it was be right up my alley. I like those long broody, super dark kind of grimy movies. So I'm sitting there thinking like, and the, I thought that the performances were really engaging, like they're really entertaining. It's fun just to see Tom Holland play this character of Arvin. And, uh, so I, I'm like, oh, this should be checking all the boxes, but I'm kind of not able to sit with it completely. Is it because every single scene I'm like, oh, that's different than this, or I thought this person would show up here, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so the initial viewing, like Patrick, was a mixed bag f- for me. Like I, on the one hand, 
was able to totally recognize that it was, I thought, the kind of cool movie that I liked. Cinematography was really great. It seemed, it was, I mean, as, as far as cutting down a really complicated novel into a less complicated movie, pretty faithful to the source. I was actually surprised they put some of the stuff in it that I was like, oh, Netflix is not going to put out a movie where they find like a dude on a cross who's been skinned alive, you know, with his heart still beating, and that's in the first few mm-hmm. minutes of the movie. Some of the other more in- extreme stuff is toned down, but overall they capture the, you know, the yeah. spirit of the thing. Um, but then after like the next day, I found myself like kind of haunted by it, still thinking about it, and I was like, oh, I, I think I just really liked it as a movie as well. So I ended up really in enjoying it so now we can all gang up on liam and using his favorite catchphrase let's get him let's get him liam do you just uh as a general rule do you not enjoy um kind of good bum- movies bummer yeah did you bummer? feel like you just didn't understand the movie right, <laughs> is it because you're not not smart and stuff yeah did yeah, you with your eyes guys, open you, i want to be smart <laughs> i want to be smart like those people in the movies do you not um, like uh intentional bummer movies no, I actually, I mean, you take, I mean, like, be it scary movies, be it bummer movie, be it, I don't know, like, you take, like, Requiem for a Dream, like, fantastic bummer movie, like. That's a great example. It's outstanding, yeah. but it's I also. I feel like that's a play on words, bummer yeah. movie. Yeah. Get it? Bum. Yeah, I saw it going through your mind when he said it. So I was, I was I like, s- what's he thinking do about I say it? it? <laughs> do I say it? If you know, you know. If you know, you know. You do know. The um, but yeah. So like this bummer movie, or I mean, even even take um. I don't know. We'll just stick with like this. But this bummer movie, I had problems with because, like the character, I didn't see what motivated all of these people to be so bad, like to each other, let alone strangers. Like they 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 just served each other to bring each other down, or like crush the other person with the exception of the dad who came back from the world like and you understand like where he came from and you got ptsd that guy ptsd like well, then, I, well, I couldn't you that. understand his son after that arvin's motivation or his character development made a lot of sense he was his father's son yep yep so who so also had some that. ptsd yeah yeah and there That's are a lot of no good sons of guns out there right but so why do we need the story of uh the the priest or the yeah the pastor who comes in pours all the the spiders on himself takes advantage of his wife kills his wife and you're like well what would she do to deserve that and why is he such a nut bar with a a crippled brother and (laughs) and then as soon as he does that he goes he's like "Hmm, i'll go for a walk and then some guy with his pretty girlfriend's like hey let's take some pictures together now I'm going to kill you while you're making love to my wife. It's just like, well, how did they even, like, they get together for no reason just to, like, attack people, and that's what they do for, like, years? And I was like, Listen, I don't know Liam, why they were doing this. Human beings are, are depraved. I, but, yeah, they're just there to, be like, let's make some weird old people and put them into the story, and let's make them do weird stuff to other people. For no reason, just to like shock people. It's not no, it's not for no reason. I felt that it was just to shock me. I was like, I don't get why Were you were shocked. Doing this. No, I well So it was the serial killer storyline you didn't like. It was that storyline I didn't like. You could like. at least understand the uh 
the evan the spider evangelist why he would have. I mean, they outlined his motivation pre- well, pretty clearly. The, re- the religious narrative was was strong throughout the whole thing, so that mm-hmm. makes sense to me. And then it's his daughter that ends up being the other boy's sister, right? Oh, sister. Spider preacher was so, led astray by his corrupt religiousness. Yeah, but I I don't. Why was he like that to begin with? Because that's the world in which he lived. Yeah, though. though. So he just gets to do that? Like, I want to know more of his story behind that. Otherwise, he's just there, creepy spider yeah. guy. I'm like, you don't just walk into his and be like, don't, just so you know, I'm creepy. We'll take well, Robert Patterson. He just comes in there. By the way, I feel he really overacted that part. Delusions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, Robert, shut up, dude. Robert Pattinson take wasn't it easy, buddy. <laughs> he was not great. Take it easy. Not great. <laughs> He was, it was okay. I thought he was good. I liked him in this. He was. He's a bit much. Well, here, here's. How about this? Did you see? <laughs> did you see uh, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs? I did. Yeah, that same actor is. Wait, where'd you watch it? In the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Netflix. <laughs> Who's Netflix? <laughs> okay, just making sure. Wait, which actor? The actor that pours the spiders on his face. Oh, Roy. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. He is. He is in the Ballad of Buster Scruggs as a traveling. Um, showman who's also crippled, but not but the guy was, who's his in. Brother was. But not the guy who's in Watchmen, the show. I haven't seen Watchmen, the show, so I don't know. Because I'm confused. I'm looking it up. I haven't seen Ballad of Buster Scruggs, and at the end of Spider Face, Devil all the time. I says to Abby, I says, "Hey, how come they didn't put that guy from Watchmen? They always put him in these kind of movies." But he's the and guy he's from Watchmen's the, oh, in Buster Scruggs, and he's the main guy in Buster Scruggs. You're talking about the guy, oh. the mirror face guy, Buster yeah, Looking Glass, is played yeah. by Tim Blake Nelson. Yeah, yeah, the the singing cowboy. The first, the main okay, one. Okay, so yeah. they're they're just both in the guy who's not in the movie. All right, two different people. The singing cowboy from Buster Scruggs would have been a great addition to this movie. He's the right. Yeah, uh, he would have been. A Doesn't good it cast. seem like they usually just throw him? And that guy um, that's the villain in Ant-Man, and he's in Hateful Eight, uh, Goggins or whatever. Walton Goggins. Yeah. Goggins. They usually put him in these movies. The, both sure. those guys are spot on for these type of yeah. setting. The southern yeah, he could have been the preacher. Yeah. Goggins could have. Goggins would have mm-hmm. been great in that. Yeah. He was in a different preacher. But movie. he, get my point. Anyway, let's get back to my point. <laughs> the same actor who pours a spider, you know, spider face guy. Was he was the traveling charlatan, you know, who go to do the stage performances, but he didn't have any legs or arms, right? That's right. And Liam yeah, Neeson yeah. would carry him around. Yeah, that's right. So okay. the precedent, even by this actor's own standard, this precedent is set to that it's just a thing. It's just an American thing where people travel town to town, taking advantage of people, corrupt, you know, in it for whatever, usually money. So I don't know why you're confused that that certainly in the American church, there's it's a mystery why men travel around doing speaking engagements and act oddly and and that's an, uh, take advantage a of people. sect of like conservative evangelical churches. Yeah. So like it's pretty standard. God rid me of my fear, so mm. I'm gonna like yeah. embrace my fear like the those eccentricities. That. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's pretty. That's pretty. That's business as usual for them. The Appalachian Southern snake handlers. It's to prove their sure. faith, right? Yeah, snake faith. And remember you know about uh, the snake faith, Liam used to do <laughs> it, it all the time. It reminds me a no, lot what? of uh, the preacher, and um, it's Daniel. What's his name? In um, there will be there blood. Be blood. It's the same. It's like that's just it's an American oh, pastime. Yeah, I th- Liam. I thought in this one, 
Like the, I, I think the name of the movie and the book is super cool. The devil all the time. And that's a, what it is. The devil all the time. Well, that's what I think. Yeah. I think that's the motivation of the characters. Cause they say the thing about how he's, we're always trying to fight the devil all the time is all these characters are trying to fight the worst of themselves, the most evil temptations. And we see how most of them are failing. <laughs> Well, but that's I don't, what I don't see that. how they were I, fighting I themselves. Select, they were engaging it. They're just a, like, you know what? Yeah. I want to be bad. That's what There's I'm saying. A is they're seeing few. It. Only they're a few characters are actually resisting evil. The rest of them are fully engaged. Right, but we see that that's the point of it. Is we see the capacity of the evilness in them. That's the Who's fully engaged in evil? I'd say only... The serial killer. Carl, Carl, Carl and Sandy. Pattinson. No, Carl Pattinson. and Sandy are Pattinson's. the evil characters. And, uh, yeah. It's Carl and Sandy? The serial killer and his girlfriend. Well, the, the girlfriend was not fully into it. She she was obviously resistant and but had remorse, but he she, was... But she was... But she wouldn't... She kept on going. She was she participatory. Was like, I would say yeah. she's a, she was... A, she was slightly she bummed wasn't by stop. it. She, she was, was clearly in an abusive, it. manipulative relationship. Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean... But, and she was but she was murdering and she, killing people. Yes, she was participating in the murder of everyone. But she was <laughs> she still like she it. was still representative of the internal conflict within resisting evil. Right. while he was fully that's engaged. fair. So Carl, yeah, his was like a urge. Carl is a sadist and a sociopath. But then you've got all the I think almost every everyone else aside from Robert Pattinson's character uh, were at least conflicted. You know, Reverend Reverend Preston is obviously meant. He's just like an evil archetype. You keep using their names, and I don't know. Spider Face. Yeah. Robert Pattinson is obviously yeah, like an evil archetype. Yeah. But, but I would even Arvin argue that is Spider-Face. conflicted. Arvin, obviously, Arvin's mom and uncle. Ear I don't think Spider Face was evil. I think I that he was. thought he was doing he the was right just, thing. No. He's he not, was just. He wasn't evil. He was. Yeah. He was trying. He, he was, really thought he was going to do it. He was delusional. Yes. yes. Yeah. That's right. Delusion. <laughs> See, it ties together. <laughs> I, yeah. uh, I don't think he. I think he actually thought. Yeah, he was know, sincere. He came, he came out of the closet or whatever <laughs> and after praying and thought that he could. He thought he raise had a holy epiphany and that I think new, he actually did think that. Yeah, yes, the new phase in his ministry was going to be to raise the dead. I think that uh, a lot of his. Um, character traits lean far more toward knowing corruption but a, a sliver of innocence hoping that it's somewhat true like he knows that he's taking advantage of people and he's playing into the drama and he's going church to church no spiders on his face I think no the theodore the, for the acclaim theodore and the, and the his, fame that's his, his cousin his in the brother? wheelchair and he had the he he's had, aware of the corruption i think he was led yeah. more by his ego than anything else thinking that he could he could come out of the closet and kill his wife and raise her from the dead. He was delusional and, and egotistical. No, we get it. I think we get the glimpse of Roy's sincerity and innocence when he meets Carl and Carl's like, Oh, sleep with my wife. And he's like, well, I think Mr. that was, I ain't going to do that. I think that was him who was kind of somewhere in the middle facing the harsh realities of life and the choices he made instead of, instead of, um, somehow him, being innocent all along. Yeah. I don't think he was innocent really ever. Because like, he's traveling around he may have killed who knows other wives he had and his little brothers or cousins like, oh, he's doing it yeah. again. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he read to me as someone who travels around and is taking advantage of people perpetually. No, you're wrong. And yeah, but he spent all that time <laughs> in the closet praying. 
wasn't well, he, he, was he hiding, it up he had nice. a spider bite and he was hiding he was in his shame mm-hmm. trying to heal it yeah wasn't and he came out of brother, the closet to um, take to to compensate for the shame or cousin is it cousin 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 theodore isn't he the way he was because he drank bleach or something yeah, yeah drank antifreeze. Uh, antifreeze um as a faith gesture yeah don't do that yeah in the book i'd say that is the thing that in the book it, or in the movie if they showed 10% of what was actually in the book of their their characters it was like tiny yeah probably right? more so, more so than any other there's uh, well, like any novel there's just entire things that are lifted out cuz you don't have time to explore them but you need these characters to string a couple of things together mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so they in the novel have almost a novel's worth dedicated to them a lot more yeah. development. Yeah, they're um, really, really developed, and in the movie, they're all—they're barely there. Like I was shocked when uh, they were getting picked up because I was like, "Whoa!" That was fast. This is page one hundred and fifty. Yeah, they took out. Everything. Yeah, so that's interesting. The the three of us that read it are defending him, and the guys who haven't read it are like, "He yeah, was evil." That because because uh, in the mu- movie, you don't know he the communicates backstory, like yeah. what their motivations are. I'm sure there's, there's, there's so much more complexity to them. Yeah, the backstory is missing, and I think the movie is just expecting you to to imply meaning and imply character based on just their their vocation of choice is not usually the most moral of men yeah sure mm-hmm. yeah totally yeah but yeah there I, th- I don't think that the movie wants you to uh assume that they're free of corruption because the movie obviously has a it's debatable whether it has a dim view of religion it itself or a dim view of corrupt religion. I would argue the latter. It has a dim view of corrupt religiousness. Uh, but the, mu- the movie doesn't want you to be s- entirely sympathetic with those two characters. They're obviously bananas. And he puts, like Liam said, a nut bar. He puts spiders on his face and everything. But it seems to me, as opposed to the way that Carl is played serial killer or even the way that deputy Lee is played. There's an element of sympathetic, you know, there's a sympathetic element to not so much Theodore in the wheelchair, but to Roy, uh, the spider face. Like he's Which a little real spiders, by the way. Yeah. He seems to me so more like actor. you, you put it well, <laughs> Peter don't like that. I bet. Tyler, like, uh, it, what's his face, his character and there will be blood. Like he's not likable and he's messed up, view. but he believes it. No, but is it it's Daniel Plainview? No, that's You're talking about the other guy. Daniel Plainview is, is is the fictional character. Is the oil baron? Yeah, right. Is that who you're but saying? his real his real life name is Daniel Day uh, Lewis. <laughs> oh man! No, he's right. It is. No, the guy that's in like uh, I know you're talking about. That's uh, too easy though. But yeah, he was in Swiss Army Man. His Dan. It's yeah. Dan. No, it's not Dan at all. He's what's in the, the name he's of in the, the Batman movie? What's the name of the Ryan Johnson movie, the sci-fi movie that was so good? Looper. Looper. He's in Looper. Um, Paul Dano. It's uh, Paul Dano. Paul Dano. 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 Paul Dano. Paul Dano. Yeah. He he communicates a little bit more like Paul Dano's character yeah. in that he's screwed up. You're not supposed to be like, man, he's awesome, but he believes it. So it's he's not like. Unlike uh, you know Plainview's character in There Will Be Blood, who's manipulative and conniving and kind of twisted, Not he knows what he's doing. Not certainly in Acts two and three by three, he's like yes. pure evil by three. Yes, yeah, but, but to everybody, 
<laughs> this is trying to keep up with me here. Everyone in the audience in the in the church in the film, <laughs> it all feels it all feels um, pure. But to us in the audience watching the film, we see that it's not. It's corrupt, and so that's where like the tension lies. Is that we see the 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 moral failures of this preacher, while everyone else is totally buying it and following him, and that's exactly how the spider face reads to me. Hmm. Yeah, but didn't you think that there was at least a little... I don't know, is it Liam? I disagree with Liam, that he's just going around... That the movie seems to imply that he could have been going around killing multiple people. He's obviously... Spider-Face. You mean horror, trying to resurrect yeah, other women? Yeah, he's, he's distraught. He's totally wrecked when it doesn't work. Like, his entire world has come yeah, down. Yeah, he goes on the run, and he abandons Yeah, his he's not just like, oh, well, takes a pee and leaves or something uh, like that. Well, he's done, but, like... I feel like he's he's done these... Uh, erratic things before if he's asked his brother to drink antifreeze so he could heal him hope oh, that didn't work well let's see what else can work like he's he's got yeah uh, he's got a serial issue of like testing what he thinks his faith will be able to yeah uh, solve and his and cousin brother seems which one is it I don't cousin know. yeah cousin. seemed completely uh unconcerned about the yeah. dead woman in the woods yeah well yeah, he, he just doesn't care and yeah. didn't arvin's mom was that his mom his grandma? His grandma. His grandma. Who uh, had the stroke, didn't right? Didn't she? Cause she Is that what happened? She had a stroke and what? got bedridden, right? No. And she passed out? Oh, Arvin's mom. Is oh, that yeah. what we're talking about? She had yeah. cancer. Oh, it was cancer. She, she okay. died of cancer. Yeah. So Arvin's grandma talking to the girl that married the spider guy. Yeah. <laughs> she seemed a little uncertain yeah. of him. Like, yeah. wasn't, yeah, she, she, wasn't knew. she kind of like because eh. she saw him do the spider thing and she was, was like eh. she was you sincere she's one of the good characters yes. in the story. you just yeah. look at what how Arvin sees him Arvin's like the the eyes of morality he whatever he mm-hmm. his view of things is usually how it is he distrusts the people yeah. who are untrustworthy and he mm-hmm. trusts the people who are trustworthy in the film mm-hmm. yeah which is interesting because Ar- Arvin has a dim view of almost everyone in the yeah in the book because they they are all bad except for his immediate family and they are all almost the only good uh good characters in the entire story or at least like trying to be yeah mm-hmm. yeah but the thing about like watching uh it's almost like going to see liam you know you go to see something like it so there here's a here's a uh, better example from my earlier thing about the road it the first movie not the second one well, obviously had to make huge accommodations to fit crap, even half of that book into sure. the movie. And you didn't like it that much. No. I remember seeing it, having loved that novel dearly, and I had a great time. I was totally aware that huge, uh, not just chunks, but entire uh, n- you know, narrative arcs were lifted from the thing. There's no way they're going to put it all in there. It's not exactly right. But it seems to capture the spirit of the book more or less. Hooray, it was fun. When you watch a movie like It and all this stuff is gone, did you just did you dislike It just because you didn't like it as a movie or did you like as a Stephen King super fan were like, screw this? No, well, I think with It, which stars Bill Skarsgård, who is actually in this movie, mm-hmm. which I was like, gosh, that guy looks familiar, but his forehead is not nearly so big yeah. or He did white. a great job too. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, with it, I think I I was just distracted with the inconsistencies, um, particularly with the end and and how it would just show up at random. Like, 
unexplained like situations. Inconsistencies within the movie or from book to film? Uh, w- within the book, I felt there were there's a lot more explanation as to what its capabilities were or why it reacted the ways it did. But in the movie, it just kind of happened to be there to kind of push the story forward because the movie had to go forward. Sure. Okay, so that makes a lot of sense. So did you, when you're watching this, I had that feeling not as exaggerated as you had it to the point where I didn't like this movie. But you know in your head that like these, you know, certain relationships are teased out more, certain characters are missing or stories are developed. And it makes you feel while you're watching like, whoa, this is going, even though it's a decidedly long movie. It's like it's going so fast. Like, oh my God, they're already gone. Oh, this has already yeah. happened. They're, that, they're, they're pretty like, why is significant. This all, of a ha- all of a sudden, they're pretty significant moments in a person's life, and we breeze through them pretty quickly, one after another. So it did feel that way. Yeah. Okay. Sure. It felt it felt underdeveloped, but there was a lot happening, so I was fine with it. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's just so much. Like, I just, I mean, and I say, like, one of the first things I said was like that it's. Like there's so many details that they had to compromise in order to make it into film format, and like I get that it's from a filmmaking standpoint, you have to take those you know, certain liberties. But uh, unfortunately, I think it was just at the cost of of a good story. It's almost as if because of movie. because of the two distinct acts in which this movie take place, it would have been better as a, as a like a sequel, like a two-part film a series maybe yeah it's know. one of the few things that kind of lends itself to a series because there's so many characters and so many yeah each person could have had its own like episode a season, and then sure. some cron- cross episodes yeah it would have been, oh, good that would have been interesting yeah, yeah. I th- it could have done the like a season yeah the it thing the where it was like series a generation and then the second half is when they get older yeah right. the exact one is kind of like the post-world war ii and then it's the vietnam era when uh right. 40s and 60s. Ar- yeah, when Arvin's a But it teenager. would be interesting to see a show when you focused, each episode just focused on the characters or a something. A limited series would have been right. good. Yeah, yeah, like six. I That's one thing that I thought was missing from the movie was Skarsgård's character, I feel like, is way more parsed out. That his whole stuff lasts for a lot longer. Yeah. And it felt a bit rushed in the movie. Uh, yes, but it's yeah. not just his storyline that's developing there. It's also his son's. Which yeah. you don't know while you're watching it. You're like, wait, isn't Tom Holland in this? And then it's like an hour and a half later and suddenly, yeah. oh, now we're getting into the but real... Everything, okay. everything from his experience with his dad comes into play in the second act. Yeah. Especially the the whole, you got to stand up for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, he lives by his narrative. dad's codes. Yeah. Beating people half to death. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta beat people half to death sometimes. Yeah. He ain't been right since. Yeah. <laughs> Lesson learned. It sounds like Liam's critique of Devil All the Time is like the popular critique of, uh, at least the non-political popular critique of Joker. People came out of that and they're like, this grimy old thing, everyone was unlikable. It was all miserable from start to finish. Why is everyone so bad? How do you feel about that movie? Uh, it wasn't in my top 10 but I liked it but it wasn't in my top 10 mm. for last year I'm just trying to figure out what Liam likes sometimes well, consistent that. he's over here with Sound of Music in his top 10 which you haven't seen <laughs> I've never so seen you really Sound don't have a whole lot to say I don't know if it's I'll ever catch up on it's pretty Sound good music. it's pretty good <laughs> it's pretty good yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's, it's a pretty winner. good I don't remember it you should watch it I've got the Blu-ray 
You have criterion. a Blu-ray you have a Criterion. A criterion of I think it's Criterion. Right. Liam, you're going to have to host that viewing for us. Come here and introduce be. it and everything. It might not be Criterion. Yeah. It's like Can a it fancy, be like a Tyler a host? Did you buy awesome. that or was that gifted to you? Sarah came up with it one day. Oh, well, all right, whatever. Let's watch it. Yeah. Do you think a movie like Devil All the Time would have worked in a, as a, in a theater and had 2020 been a normal year? I think it would have based yeah. on the people in it. Yeah, that's true. It has star power. It's yeah. not abnormal as far as dark indie films. Yeah, like as an A twenty four release or yeah, something. Yeah, sure. But well, I think it, and like you mentioned um, the uh, the Pine movie. Like it, it does Place Beyond the Pines. Place Beyond the Pines. Yeah, yeah Bradley Cooper at his best. But Place Beyond the Pines is a bit more uh, stomachable than this film. Yeah, it's got a little bit more of a. Doesn't up, open uplifting with spin to yeah. it. <laughs> Doesn't yeah, open with uh, an American soldier on a cross. Yeah. <laughs> people don't like seeing bad stuff happen to dogs. I've learned yeah. learned recently. That's true. Uniquely, they feel uniquely appalled by it. Yeah. I read I read some yeah. other book, and all these people online were pitching a fit about it. And I was like, "Why is everyone so mad about?" It? And I was like, "Oh, warning." Dog violence. Yeah. It's like something happens to a dog. And it's like, You're oh, like, did what? you see the rest of this movie? I know. It's like <laughs> the most depraved things happening to people. And it's like, yeah. at some point, there's a fake plastic, you know, like, I don't know how they made that. Oh, yeah, because the dad kills the dog, right? The dog, for yeah. As a, as a ritual a sacrifice. And then puts yeah. him on the cross? It's yeah. like a penance. Yeah. Jack oh, he puts the, on the dog cross. on the Jack the dog. The book? Yeah. He, he thinks doesn't if do that we in the movie, kill something we love, no, he, he does it in the movie. He crucifies the dog in the movie. Yeah. Remember he, he kills gets it. down the bones, right? Yeah, he, when the deputy when deputy Lee comes in and he's kind of shining the flashlight on, he shines the flashlight right on the dog, the crucified dog. Yeah, and he says, "What? Oh, yeah. What the heck is this?" <laughs> and Arvin's like, "It's a prayer log, but it don't work too good." Yeah, <laughs> that was great. Scars that was a great line. It's like, oh. killed the dog in the night, and the boy chased him out. And yeah, that's right. But the mom yeah. died anyway. Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah, it's just like maybe that's kind of one one of the things that was putting me off too. Dog violence. Well, yeah, I heard Dog some. It's like some, okay, it's gonna be. You know, through another show. person. I was like, my friend turned it off when the dog got hurt. Yeah. <laughs> oh that's lord. That's dumb. So what's the what's the moral here? What are we supposed to have learned? You know. Nothing. What's, some people are born people to are die. Bad. It's the devil all the time. It seems to me like there's obviously some sort of narrative about. Uh, <laughs> this is going to sound oversimplified. It's, it's clearly good versus evil, but it's kind of flipped on itself where the people in positions of good are the ones that are evil. And it's the, it's, what's his name? Arvin. Arvin. I don't think Arvin's bad. No, Arvin's not bad. bad. He's barely not. Arvin he, is he, the, clearly the main character and he's the one that seems to be the only moral good, but only the people that are good are the ones that are experiencing evil against them. They're the ones that are experiencing all these terrible things. Yeah. And all the people that sh- are in positions it. of good, like the sheriff, the preacher, the the waitress, and the people that are usually characters of moral good are the ones that are corrupt and evil. And so it's reversed, and then he comes up, and by the end of the film just <laughs> kills them all. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, the movie seems to want to talk about, like, generational evil. He's obviously... Yeah. Because they have... They they kind of purposely, it seems like they found the, their through line from the war, war to war. So they have, you know, Arvin's dad come home from the war, obviously messed up. And he's, he seems to have seen at least one really bad thing. Is Arvin th- meant to be going to uh, join the army? Is that how it ends? Well, in the yeah, in the movie, the final little uh, voiceover is that he's he's just been picked up as a hitchhiker, and right. he suddenly starts thinking about enlisting for the first time Got ever. It. And yeah, 
because his dad did. So it seems like they decide that that's going to be their two connection points. And yeah, like Tyler said, it seems like they have this. The movie has a very dim view of institutions and people in authority and and the corrupting power of like small town minds and religion and yeah, yeah the generational thing is interesting because even like Arwen's then what do you call her like her stepsister Arvin Arvin's sister mm-hmm. uh, her mom was killed because of the manipulation of the religious guy yeah and then and she was one she, of the most innocent in the she world. was very innocent and yep. then the, and she's abused by Pastor Preston yep and then the daughter does the same thing she mm-hmm. like. Well, yeah, he's talking about the mom was killed by the preacher, and then the daughter is killed by Robert Pattinson's character. Well, yeah. roundabout, like yeah. she dies because of the manipulation of, yeah. of it. So it's the, it's one it's the, the innocence scene, attack. It's the innocence preyed upon by those in positions of good. Yeah, and it seems to get worse. Right, it gets worse with the generations. Yeah, Gosh, yeah. that was so bad. It's a big downward spiral. Yeah, but that's the I think for like that's the most heartbreaking bit of narration in the whole film is when the narrator says in the last second she decided not to, but then the she slips. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, That's so. There's here's the other weird kind of quasi thing I liked and didn't like about the movie is that the novel is third person omniscient, so uh, which is a really hard way to write but is probably the most effective I've ever seen in this particular type of book uh, so it seems like the author there's you know usually uh, they say anyway I'm not a screenwriter but I've I've read that like in screenwriting 101 voiceover is a no-no it's like it's, you can't just put it on the exposition. screen yeah then yeah. don't don't put it in the movie which is funny that it's the actual author of yeah. the books <laughs> like like that's like super ironic yeah. and indulgent but then you have obviously there are times when you have to break the rule there's a famous story that like uh, apparently David Fincher hired a screenwriter or commissioned a screenwriter to start working with him on Fight Club and the first script came back with no voiceover and he's like, are you an idiot? How in the world are we going to tell this story with no voice? The voiceover is the most important component. Right. And he's like, well, you're not supposed to have voiceover. So we fired this guy and he had it rewritten with voiceover in it, exactly like the novel. And the voiceover in Fight Club is one of the best parts. Yeah. It works. It's a character it, in yeah. itself. Yeah. 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 It is considered cheap exposition. Yeah. Much like... <laughs> Much like anything with someone just Googling something, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, we need to figure out this big plot point that's undiscoverable. Oh, I guess Google. It, it, it Cell works phones, you know? in Father <laughs> of the Bride. <laughs> the also. narration? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it's it's endearing in a lot of films, and it's, it's, it works <laughs> that's well. That's the right word. It's funny in Father yeah, for the Bride. It, it's it like, works well in comedies. Yeah. Uh, there's some films, like I think of Thin Red Line, where there's... It's not necessarily narration. It's more of like an inner monologue type thing that lends well to depth of thought and retrospection. But it's a this, basic rule. But the, obviously, there's lots of examples where you break the rule right, and it this, works better. This feels like a novel, so you don't reject it as a yeah. As it a makes it feel device. real literary, and especially since the author is actually from Knockham Stiff, uh, and grew up in the environments he talks about. And his voice sounds like a character from the movie. Yeah. So I, was, I didn't know it was him until it went out. He's kind of, he doesn't really have like a big online presence or anything. And then when it ended, it was like narrated by, I was like, oh, holy crap. Uh, I didn't know he sounded like that. He sounds just like one of his characters. So that part was nice. And there were, there were parts where the narration, because uh, there were moments in the novel where you're thinking like, I don't know how that you'd communicate 
something like having second thoughts the moment before you kill yourself if it weren't for the narrator telling you and just before she did it she thought to herself blah, yeah blah. or was she gonna say that no i'd better not whoa yeah i mean she would just have to do it with a cut of her eyes or something right. i mean it can be done but by the end of it i actually thought to myself was that voiceover necessary it doesn't actually explain anything that we don't see you in don't the movie. need to know yeah it was like either way she was going to die tragically whether or not she's like you know what no, I, mean, I think it was just a little salt in the wound for her to to narrate her. But it's not even just that scene in general. Yeah, it kind of make it make you feel like you were more in the environment. Like the story itself feels like that character is on the back porch telling it to you or something. Yeah, so exactly. It doesn't seem at all like it's definitely not because they needed the exposition because he doesn't tell you anything you don't see. It's almost like they made a stylistic choice. So let's get this old man to read his book. <laughs> Yeah. to us in the movie and it made me kind of go I don't know if it's totally necessary would it have worked with Morgan Freeman <laughs> and then she thought to herself <laughs> that's not Morgan Freeman I've never tried it <laughs> that's a pretty good one so there's busy one living, there's busy one dying. Yeah. there's one example seven. that really is to <laughs> seven that's Shaw- Patrick Shaw- 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 that's pretty he good always just, he always just says seven seven <laughs> No, he at the end of some of uh, some you know bit that would get started, he just likes to just name movies or Save. say <laughs> just say the joke. Yeah, Bruce Almighty. I'm narrating the st- situation. You know, the one standout bad moment to me in the whole movie, uh, where I w- kind of rolled my eyes. Remind us your star rating. Oh yeah, you didn't. Uh, I'd you give didn't it a four. Four out of five. Okay. Uh, the the one standout thing there's a there's a bit which is kind of following pretty closely from the page of the novel where Carl is having this kind of sick, profound... Uh, the, the narrator's describing Carl's in, internal world as he's riding in the car, and it was saying that, like, Sandy could never understand that for him, being in the, like this close to death was the closest thing to him, like religion or, like, experiencing God. Only when he was close to death could he ex- feel something like God, um, which is pretty nice bit of writing. And uh, and then the narrator suddenly passes judgment on Carl, and he sa- it said he said some like sick effort or something like that, and I was like, mm. what? Like it sounded so weird and hammy, like uh, it was meant to make us laugh or something like mm-hmm. that. And typically, the narrator doesn't comment on the you know like uh, like what a dummy comment, yeah. you know when their characters do something. That right. was the only thing in the whole movie that made me go, what the heck? Why did they? Yeah, put that, that, that is kind of weird. Oh, yeah, do you remember that? Overall, yeah. it felt like the narration was fine. It worked. It was charming. But in the end, it was like, I don't know. You could kind of, if there was a cut where they just turned it off, mm-hmm. it seemed like the movie would be a different experience and not for the worse. There'd be a lot of missing information. You yeah. think so? Really? Yeah. Yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't do the work on its own. It definitely glues it together. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Y'all are just too used to sound and music. Yeah, maybe if we got Ellen Page to come in and just explain everything scene to scene. That'd be nice, you know, because she's the she's the exposition for Inception. Oh, yeah, she? right. Yeah. Her and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah. Let's have these two characters just have a conversation about how everything Explain works, everything. <laughs> and <laughs> go over heavy plot points with yeah. a we'll have heavy her, accent. We'll have her ask all the questions that the audience is asking, and then just they'll Gordon go Levitt up and down answer. some stairs. And <laughs> wait, what happened? Oh, this blah 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 blah. Yeah. <laughs> some people need that. Well, sure. It's, yeah, the Bethies of the world. You need exposition of some <laughs> of some kind. Yeah. What a dummy. <laughs> she ain't here to defend herself. 
There was something uh, recently where I was complaining about uh, on the nose exposition, and somebody Joker. Was it Joker? Oh yeah, yeah. You know that bit like a flashback that we all hate so much, where they they don't believe the audience can remember what happened ten oh, minutes right. ago, so they show yeah. it to you again. Remember, and, uh, guys, uh, remember. <laughs> Abby goes, yeah, but you know the Bethys of the world need to see that. And then we did the podcast, and Bethany's like, I was glad they showed it because I'd already forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. You see that a lot in movies like. Um, like Twilight, they'll constantly be doing flashbacks. It's like, yeah, we got it. So many flashbacks that they have to like tint them a different color so you know it happened at a different time. <laughs> like just Twilight? Twilight? What yeah. made you think of Twilight? Yeah, because oh, I, I make fun of it all the time. After after like movie one, well, I watched them all with Sarah when they were coming out. After like movie one, I started making fun of it. Every time they'd flash back, I'd shout, remember? <laughs> <laughs> so you saw it. all of them? Yeah, they were terrible. Did, uh, hey, he landed was, the boys, girl. But what did Sarah think? She, they're terrible. Oh, really? She read the books. And what'd she think about those? They're terrible. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I read the books too. So I guess we can end the podcast by pointing out that, man, Rob, way to go. You've come a long way. Yeah, <laughs> come a long way. <laughs> I don't know, Liam. Which performance do you like better, Twilight or Devil All the Time from Robert Pattinson? Uh, gosh, I don't know. Can we say Good Times? Sure. Okay. But yeah, in between these two, I mean, I get, well, the funny thing with this two was I had just seen, um, was it Richard the Fifth or no? Gosh, was another Netflix? No, it's called The King based on. Um, oh, he's in that too. And he's in that uh, kind of a small part or his role is like and Robert Pattinson, just like he is in these credits. And he played his part is also just way over the top. Like he may as well just like break into song. He's playing this French king. That um, uh, Timothy uh, Chalamet is um, against, and uh, he just uh, I'm over speaking my French accent as his king, and I will say what I have to because this is my role. And he says that in the movie. That's awful writing. <laughs> yeah, awful performance. But he's got blonde hair. Nice. Hey, did you guys watch The Devil all the time or read the novel? And if you didn't, then why are you listening to this episode? Have things really gotten so bad on your end that you're reduced to listening to episodes of You Hate Movies based on movies and books that you've neither seen nor read? If so, reach out to Tyler. He'd really like to talk to you, hear you out, and maybe offer a comforting ear. Earlier, before we started recording, Liam was telling me something about what's it called, Liam? Power of Positive... PMA, bro. PMA. Positive mental attitude. Maybe you need some of that. The best way to get it is to go to youhatemovies.com, leave a comment on this episode, you'll feel the PMA start to surge in that moment, and you'll only increase it if you subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media. Keep the lights on here at You Hate Movies Studios. You can also do that by going to patreon.com slash youhatemovies and for the price of a cup of coffee every month, get exclusive bonus episodes.